Welcome to Women's Hot Topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. What happened if you say what you want to say? Hey friends, have you ever thought you needed a new set of friends? I mean, really, maybe clean out that closet of the people who don't make you feel good or bring out the best in you. Perhaps you have moved or you find yourself in a new community. Perhaps you're a new mom. Maybe you are lonely throughout the day. I mean, don't forget empty nesters. Those women find themselves without their children, without their activities that they used to do with school, and now they're lacking friendships. At times, friends, we all struggle with finding that friendship that brings out the best in us. Oh my, don't forget the toxic friend that drains you every time you get together, but yet you feel obligated to be with her, stressing you out for days afterwards. Well, today we're talking about friendship, and I want you to know that we have the friend expert, the friend expert on with us, Danielle Bayer-Jackson, a female friendship coach, educator, and podcast host, and the author of an upcoming book in 2024, Fighting for Our Friendships. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to to have this chat. I'm so glad you're on. You know, I had first heard uh, of you with Morgan uh, Cutlip, Dr. Morgan Cutlip, we did a show as well. And she just sang your praises and she said, Shug, you got to have her on the show. So I am so thankful that you came on with us. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into it. Friendship, I know, is a it's a hot topic as we all try to figure out how to navigate these connections. So I'm so glad you're facilitating a moment to to talk through it. You know, you had mentioned, and I have watched a lot of your shows and a lot of your YouTubes and your podcasts, et cetera. And and friends, if you find her. Uh, please look her up. Tell us where where can our friends find you? So everything lives at betterfemalefriendships.com. And we have a weekly podcast called Friend Forward, um, where we answer some questions. So I'm, I'm so glad to be talking through this today with you. <laughs> you know, Friend Forward is so important. And I've enjoyed your shorts and your shows. Your topics range from uh, turning your acquaintances into real potential friends, Uh, obligatory friendships, letting go. Why do I feel lonely even though I have friends? Three types of loneliness, having hard conversation with friends, trust issues, the pros and cons of friendship trios, and the list goes on and on. Friends, I could sit and listen to that puppy all day long. You are so gifted, Danielle, and you're just so awesome to listen to. So again, I agree with you. Let's just dig into it. You're a friendship coach and you help people grow friends. What's some of the advice that you can give to our listeners about friendship? You know, some general things I find myself repeating over and over as a person who studies the research on friendship for a living. There are like maybe three general themes about friendship I feel myself repeating. The first is that friendship takes work. There was this study where they asked people, do you believe that friendship should be easy, natural, and organic, or do you expect that it might take work? And they followed these people over the span of five years. And the people who said they expect it to be easy, natural, and organic were reporting greater feelings of loneliness than those who said they expected to take work. So knowing that you're going to have to be intentional about coordinating and working through conflict, 
that's all, that's all normal. So that's one thing I find myself repeating a lot. And then the second thing is stop getting in your head about it being too late to make friends, too hard to make friends. You can develop new friendships in any season of life. And as soon as you start telling yourself, well, it's too late for me, that's going to impact the way that you engage with people. And it kind of becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. And the third thing that I'll say that I'm all, all um, continuously advising is that you got to communicate your issues with your friends. I know it makes you anxious. I know it feels awkward, but I think there are too many women's friendships that end prematurely because there are conversations we're just too afraid to have. You know, those are awesome points. And that is true. You know, you want to keep your friends. You don't want to stir the pot. You don't want to cause any problems, but there is um, friendships, some that are rather toxic. How do you deal with those? Yeah, that's really hard. And I know that, you know, toxic friends is like, like a hot issue. And so one thing I like to, to say as a potential reframe, just something to consider is that instead of thinking about this person as toxic, think about the situation itself as toxic, meaning, you know, like poisonous when we think about toxins in your body, you know, detrimental to you. So it's more about the relationship and less about the person. Um, so for example, if you find that every time you leave an exchange or interaction with this person, you are completely depleted. You're complaining to everybody else about them. You feel like you're not the best version of yourself. You find yourself, you know, doing things like gossiping or complaining, things like that, that you wouldn't normally do. But whenever you two come together, you do it. So think about, do I feel like the best version of myself? Do I feel challenged to be greater? Or am I tired, resentful, uh, things like that? That's kind of like a, a way to kind of monitor that. And if you find you're in that situation and you need to, have an explicit conversation about wanting out. You can have, you can do two things. One, you can kind of uh, modify your frequency with the person. Some people are better in small doses, but if it if it feels like you got to have a chat, you want to make sure that you emphasize what you're running toward instead of what you're running from. So you wouldn't highlight her inadequacies. You wouldn't say, "Oh, Tanya, you're so toxic," or "Tanya, you're so." You know, you also wouldn't ghost a person. I know it's awkward to have a conversation, but you know, that leaves people kind of confused about where you went and what they did wrong and they can't have closure. So you would say, Hey, Tanya, I've been, you know, thinking about this a lot lately. And I, um, sometimes I enjoy our time together, but right now I think I need to kind of focus on uh, other friendships and focus on being in spaces where, where I feel like I can speak more freely or where I feel like, um, you know, things are as demanding for me emotionally. And I know there are some women who are listening who are cringing at the thought of saying that to somebody, but I'll tell you what, I need you to look at it as an act of generosity for you both. She needs to be in spaces with people who appreciate her company. You need to be in spaces where you are not resentful, anxious, dreading your hangouts. So it will be temporarily awkward for long-term relief. Well, that's a challenge for some of us because a lot of us don't like conflict, like you had said, but it is an act of grace almost just to um, maybe talk it out. You know, scripture tells us don't let a bitter root grow. And so if you're going face to face, if you're going to, you know, set an appointment, have a cup of tea, you know, just get together and just share openly and pray, you know, friends, I got to tell you, prayer is powerful. And there are some people that shouldn't be in our lives because they're, they are toxic or they do drag us down. But I agree wholeheartedly with what you say. Um, Daniel, as far as sitting down, talking to them, having that conversation. Sometimes those tough conversations are hard to do. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. One thing I like to to offer as as a way to kind of get into it as well is to do something I refer to as telegraphing your dilemma. So you might tell both sides of how you're feeling internally. So to your point about being prayerful, you know, Lord, how would you want me to approach this? Lord, give me a spirit of warmth and compassion. So I'm not accusatory and, and judgmental, right? So you might say to her like, Hey, I'm really torn because I want to be there for you. And it's important to me that you feel supported, but it also, um, kind of makes me anxious and frustrated because I don't know how to advise you and things aren't getting better. And it makes me not feel so great about myself. So I'm kind of torn, you know, that way she can hear our love. I want to be there for you, but I'm not able to do it. And yeah, she might be um, angry. She might not understand. Um, uh, but you know, it's, it's something that a lot of us need to do in order to not live in a space of dread and anxiety. I agree. And, you know, now that we've talked about the toxic relationships right at the get-go, we got right to the meat of it. You know what I loved that you had um, on your website, which was so helpful. And friends, I got to tell you, this is not just for a certain age group. This is for all age groups. And and women, I got to tell you, the advice that Danielle gives us um, is good for any area of your life. And, you know, you talk about the power of friendships and how to make a new friend in 90 seconds or less. Can we talk about that just for a minute? I thought that was great. Yeah, that was a bit of a, a catchy headline, of course, to like kind of grab your attention. <laughs> and yeah, it <laughs> takes it. more than 90 seconds. But there are things we can do to maximize our initial interactions with people so that it is in a position to develop into something more meaningful because we know making a genuine friend takes time. So there are a couple of things you could do. One is you want to emphasize the ways in which you are the same. There's a sociological term known as homophily. And the idea is that we tend to... Uh, like people who are like us. And so your initial job in any first interaction is to highlight those similarities. So I know that sometimes people do, um, they'll oftentimes uh, like contradict a person and they think they're just making banter or doing like some playful rapport, but it can work against you. So for example, if a new woman says, you know, oh, I love to read. You wouldn't come back to her with like, oh my gosh, I am not a reader. I hate reading, okay? This is a moment of connection. So let's say you genuinely don't like to read. Instead, you might say, oh, okay, what's your favorite genre? And when she tells you, you know, oh, I really love historical fiction. That is my jam. Then you would say, oh, me too. You know, I prefer to watch it documentary style on Netflix, but that's my favorite genre too, okay? Because we want them walking away thinking, man, there's something about her. I like her. It's because you guys have a lot in common, right? You also want to ask questions. I know some of us get anxious, so we talk a mile a minute, but how can we show her I'm interested in what you have to say? Because a lot of people, we just want to feel like somebody sees us and they hear us, right? Um, later on in the conversation, how can we bring up things they mentioned earlier to demonstrate our attentiveness? Um, and then, you know, finally, you know, say her name. It's so small and some people do that very naturally, but we like to hear our own name. So if she says, you know, oh, my name is, you know, Tiffany, you'd say, oh, well, hello, Tiffany, nice to meet you. You know, it's also a little device to help you remember people's names as well. So there are some things we can do in those first moments to make people more inclined to connect with us. I think those are excellent points. And, you know, I had been reading the book. I don't know if some of you had heard it, How to uh, Influence Friends. I'm sorry, How to Win Friends and Influence Others. 
um, by Dale Carnegie. And it's a great book. And he talks about as well, which you have, um, how people like to talk about themselves. I mean, asking them questions, being quiet is, I love that point that you made. Ask them a question, be quiet and listen, and be quiet even more because they'll they might tag on and add a little bit more about themselves. Um, I just love all the points that you gave. Be quiet, ask a question, um, avoid natural conflict, which is what you had mentioned. Say their name over and over again. And for me, I need to do that just so I can remember the person. Um, and then, like you had said, use that information uh, later down the road. Um, an example might be, hey, how was that movie that you watched or that you recommended? Um, and tell us about being helpful. What does that mean? Yeah. So, you know, people want to feel supported. And so being helpful is one way to do that. But again, a lot of these strategies that I'm, I often suggest require attentiveness. So it's hard to act on these things if you weren't paying attention in the conversation. And some of us don't do it on purpose. We might be so nervous. We're not really listening because we're thinking about what we're going to say. So some of us do that. That's natural. But, you know, how can you be helpful to them? If you see that they are looking, you know, can you give a recommendation? Uh, can you, you know, um, um, show them, like if they tell you that they're struggling with something, can you say, oh my gosh, you know, I struggled with that last year too. It was really tough for me. If you ever want some advice or if you ever want to get together and talk it through, I'm I'm all ears. Um, so those things tend to help build a connection as well. And you said at the very end, which I absolutely loved, um, was don't forget to follow up. And also, what is the comment you want us to say to somebody once we've met them at the very end before we depart? Oh, um, well, I don't know. You're probably referring to a video or something. I say so many things. I don't remember. What I well, well, I'm going to prompt you here because I thought okay. it was at the end of a conversation. <laughs> you said, you know what? I really like you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Um, yes. Okay. So, you know, earlier we talked about how we like people who are like us. Well, guess what? The research also should, uh, the research also reveals that we like people who like us. And so, you know, I know sometimes we don't want to put all our cards on the table or a lot of people fear, okay, I'm going to look desperate. I'm going to look eager, you know, but it actually works in your favor. So to end a conversation by saying like, Hey, I really like you. Or if that feels too intense, you can say something like, um, man, it's so nice to meet somebody else who appreciates hiking as much as I do. Okay. The subtext of that comment is the same. I enjoy you because a lot of times when we're walking away from an interaction, we're wondering if the person enjoyed us. So why not confirm it right then and there? So I often use a, a, a joke as a little example. You know, I remember being in middle school and having friends who were like, oh, little Bobby in the back of the classroom, little Bobby likes you. And I have never paid attention to little Bobby. But as soon as you find out little Bobby has a question, you're like, Oh, okay. Hello, little Bobby. So there's something about finding out somebody likes you that makes you more inclined to be open to them. I love the openness of that. I mean, so many of us keep our feelings in. We don't share, man, I really enjoyed that person. I mean, tell them to their face. I mean, that's what God wants us to do is get that love thing right. And let them know, man, I really enjoyed our conversation. You know, I like you, however that might look. Um, and I think that's a great suggestion for all of us and a great reminder uh, to get out, go out of the house, get connected, meet people, make friends. You had made a comment on one of your videos that I really um, thought about. And you said 42% of the people have never evaluated their friendships. What do you mean by that? 
So there was research done um, from um, Bumble, which is a dating app, but now they've gotten so popular, they are now Bumble for friends. And they were doing some of their own internal research. And they found that a lot of people are not intentional about their friendships, meaning sitting down and thinking with intention. Hmm. What's my friendship landscape look like? What do I want moving forward? Who's in my life? Do I want those people to continue to be in my life? Do I need to invite new connections into my life? And I think one common misconception we have is that friendship should just be like natural. We talked about that earlier. Uh, But if you are passive in your friendship journey and you just kind of like take whoever comes or you just assume that it's just going to happen, one day you're going to look up and think, whoa, how how did this happen? How am I, how did I become friendless? You might think, how did I grow a circle of people who maybe I've outgrown a little bit. Those connections don't fit anymore because we're taking a passive role in our friendships. So I encourage everyone to facilitate a moment to say, okay, who's in my life? What are the dynamics of these relationships? Are they edifying? Do I feel like my best self? Does this equip me to go into the world as a better version of myself? Uh, Because a lot of us get caught up in like wanting our friend group. and, And I think that's such a gift, right? To have the support network, but are you guys getting so tight and exclusive that you're not mindful of being inclusive to other people? You know, how does this group encourage the way I show up in the world? How does it make me more like Jesus? How do they encourage me to, you know, um, be accountable and loving? Um, and so I think if we sit down and think about it as intentionally as we would any other aspect of our lives, work, marriage, children, I think it would be um, a really powerful experience for some people. I think that's powerful to take a look at your friendships, kind of clean out the closets, ladies. We do that for spring cleaning Um, and also adding, like you had said, don't be a click. Don't keep your group so tight that you can't invite others to uh, participate in those friendships as well. I absolutely love that. Um, You know, a lot of women have been burned in the past. They've been betrayed. They've been gossiped about. Um, they have trust issues. And so what advice would you give to those that have some trust issues? And what 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 can you do to overcome those? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that. I know that if you've had a woman betray you, ghost you, um, some of us have had the experience of discovering somebody you trust is talking about you behind your back, but you thought that you guys were fine. And, and all those things happen, unfortunately. If you find yourself thinking, you know what? I don't trust people, so I'm done with friendship. Um, It makes me very concerned because you're not hurting others. You are hurting yourself. You do need friendships. We can look at Jesus as a model, right? A lot of followers, but he had a circle of of a few. And even within that circle, trusted few within that circle, right? And so- Um, So we need friends. You know, the research tells us that the number one thing that determines your overall life satisfaction and well-being is the quality of your friendships. This is emerged from the longest standing study on happiness um, conducted by Harvard. Okay. We need our friends. It's the number one preventer of depression. They say having someone to talk to, the number one preventer. So you need friends. I get nervous for women who say, but I'm, I I don't have any trust, so I don't want friends. That's what we call an overcorrection. So step one, be prayerful about that. Lord, I have a hardened heart. I am nervous. 
I find myself not trusting other people? Can you help soften my heart to new people? And can you give me the courage to engage with new women and the wisdom to be able to discern relationships that are harmful or not good for me? Give me that wisdom. Okay. So being prayerful about that. The second thing is take it slow. I think sometimes we want to man manufacture closeness. So we jump in, we overshare, and there should be a natural, healthy progression toward getting to know one another. So you don't have to go to a level 10 of vulnerability when you're first meeting a woman. I don't know that it would be wise to do that in the first place. So like a natural progression to getting to know each other and to engaging in self-disclosure. And then finally, it's okay to say that. I know it feels like you're giving away your power, but it's okay once you kind of get into it with a woman to say, um, hey, thanks for following up. You know, I've, I've had friends before who, you know, have been unreliable in that way. And so it felt really nice to, to have you um, follow up about that thing that we talked about, you know, and not to put pressure on her, but sometimes being open about it, as opposed to being fearful of it and keeping in your back pocket um, can be helpful. Uh, so I think a combination of those things can help us to keep an open heart. Uh, while being discerning as we engage in new friendships. You know, I love that. And I, I think that's so important not to rush things, to take your time. Uh, I love the prayer piece that you talked about as well and asking God for um, guidance in that. What would you say is probably the most popular issue that you have found with women in friendships? Oh, hands down would probably be... Um, well, two things. One would be not having the time would be one. Um, but also I feel like I initiate more than my friends do is a big one. Mm. I feel like my friendship is not reciprocal. It's probably like one of the top three issues. And um, my advice to that is a couple things. One is I'm curious about how you give, because sometimes we're looking for her to give how we give. And if we don't get it, we're like, she's not uh, giving me what I need. And so, you know, uh, many of us are familiar with the love languages, but the concept of, you know, can you acknowledge that a friend might be contributing in a different way? So for example, maybe you're the one who's always coming up with the plans, always texting first. I understand the frustration of, of feeling like you're carrying the friendship and she doesn't initiate. I get all that. We all want to be, uh, desired and pursued even platonically we want to be pursued so i understand that frustration but can you think about other ways she's contributing so for example you know maybe you initiate but she's always like yeah girl let's go let's do it and she offers to pick you up or she covers your lunch or she offers really good emotional support so in what ways is she giving to you and then the second piece of advice i'd give there if this is your situation as a listener is you can invite her to participate as well but please don't do it as an accusation. People do not respond well to that. So saying like, yeah, well, you know, I'm always giving or I'm always texting you first. People don't respond well to that. So instead I'm going to present it as an invitation. So I might say, um, let's say the two of us go to brunch. After we walk out of brunch, we're in the parking lot, heading to our cars. I might say something to the effect of, um, man, I really enjoyed going to brunch with you. Like this was such a good time. And I was thinking, I know the last couple of times, you know, I was the one who gave brunch ideas and made those suggestions, but I'm sure that you're sitting on some ideas of your own. How about next week? You tell me where you want to go and we'll do awesome. your idea. Okay. It invites her to participate and it also lets her know that you enjoy her, her, uh, company. Great wisdom. 
It's amazing. Thank you, Danielle. I'm so thankful that you came on our show. Um, friends, I definitely want you to look up Danielle Bayer Jackson. Uh, she's got betterfemalefriendships.com. And how else can they reach out to you? Yeah. So everything lives at that website, betterfemalefriendships.com information for, you know, coaching and, and the uh, podcasts and all the things, but I just am so grateful for you. Uh, having a heart for women, having these conversations is so important. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for letting me lend my voice to this conversation and to women who are listening. I just, um, uh, encourage you to stay optimistic, to, um, stay intentional about your friendships and keep an open heart because it will pay off. Amen. I hope you come back again soon. Yes, please. <laughs> okay, friends, that's it. You know I love you. Over and out. Hey, friends, I hope you enjoyed the show. I can't believe you found us in the myriad of podcasts that are out there. Could you please do us a favor here at Women's Hot Topics with Shugbury? Could you please like, subscribe, write a review. Hopefully it's going to be a positive one. And we have got some great shows coming up. Why do you have to do this? Is because it lifts us up out of the myriad of podcasts to the top. And that's where God is. And that's where I want to be. This is Shug Burry. You know, I love you over and out.